hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. So uh, my title today is Come As You Are. Um, So one of the unexpected outcomes of the last year um, is part of that world of Zoom is that it's kind of introduced us to the idea of just turning up and kind of coming as we are. So we've enjoyed turning up in our living rooms, going to weddings and parties and meetings in our slippers and things like that. And I kind of like having that little glimpse of you all in your homes on a Sunday morning. Uh, It kind of gives me more appreciation for who you are. So talking about coming as we are, um, one of the things I love about Dave, my husband, is that he doesn't overthink things like me. He kind of just does stuff. And if it goes wrong, he doesn't spend ages and ages reliving it and beating himself up and so on. Uh, So we're a good match for that reason. So with his permission, I'm going to tell this story. So some years ago, um, Lifeline Church put on a pantomime uh, for which my husband decided that he would go the full hog and dye his hair for his character. So he had blonde hair and he decided that he was going to dye it brown uh, along with Andrew Tizard, um, sharing a sachet of the cheapest wash-in, wash-out hair colour. So hold that thought. Uh, So after the show, Andrew washed his hair, colour came straight out, no problem. Uh, But Dave's remained a kind of pale pink. Uh, And we washed it and we washed it and it was just stuck in this pink colour. So I asked my hairdresser, what should I do? And she said, well, you could just go for a shortcut, get some peroxide and just go peroxide blonde. That should, you know, sort it out. So we tried this, we tried the peroxide, but instead it actually turned a shade of orange. So something went from bad to worse, which would be okay, apart from the fact it was Christmas. And a week earlier, I bought Dave a um, set of facial trimmers (laughs) with various attachments. And without consultation, uh, he had set about sorting out a few of his rogue eyebrow hairs. <laughs> and he's not known for reading instructions. <laughs> and on this particular occasion, in his enthusiasm, he'd gone straight in there without the guard, no attachments. He hadn't asked me. I wasn't anywhere, anything to do with it. And I remember standing at the top of the, top of the stairs and my heart skipped a bit. I don't even know if he looked in the mirror. I don't think he could have done. I saw him coming up the stairs with his orange hair that evening, completely bald, with no eyebrows at all, um, which would have been, I suppose, livable with, apart from the fact that a few days later we'd booked to go into London to celebrate my dad's 70th birthday at a Strauss concert on the South Bank. And so there was Dave, um, without his eyebrows, and with his orange hair, he came as he was, And I walked with him, mostly. (laughs) 
But at that age that our boys were, they didn't quite as much. <laughs> but I wonder how ready would we be if Jesus came in person to our neighbourhood? Would we run there? Would we check our diary? Would we be double booked? Um, would we think about what we wore? Uh, I'd like to think that I would get there as a matter of priority. If we have an emergency, we do this. Uh, we drop everything and we just go. We've had a few over the years. But what about in anticipation of Jesus turning up? Would we come as we were? Somebody once said, we would always be on time for the meeting if we thought Jesus was going to be there. Something to think about. But people walked for miles to see Jesus and the crowds gathered. And I was wondering about the one boy that we hear about who bought his loaves and his fish. He was prepared, or maybe it was his mum. But instead, let's think for a minute about the rest of the crowd, the whole crowd of 500 plus that weren't so prepared. They actually had come as they were, without forward planning, without food. And it's like, because they came as they were, they all got to see Jesus and taste the miracle, like literally take a bite of it as he multiplied the food, take it in and digest it. And I bet that changed a few lives that day. I love imagining the kind of unpreparedness of that. Um, you know, all of their eyes on him in sitting in the crowd, their focus being in the right place. And Jesus took care of the rest. Isn't that how we should be? And I, I wondered where they en route somewhere, what was planned, where, where were they meant to be? But their focus was being in the right place where Jesus was and he took care of the rest. And meeting with him and watching him and being there was more important than anything else. So in Mark 25, we hear about the woman who reached out and touched Jesus's cloak. And she came as she was in her need too. Uh, what if she'd waited for a better day when her condition wasn't quite as bad or a place where maybe there weren't so many people? I guess she'd waited 12 years already. But this day was different. And what did she have to push through? Embarrassment, rejection, the crowd itself, what people would say about her. But again, who she saw was more pressing than how she was in that moment. And as she touched him, everything changed. So what stops us coming to Jesus as we are? It's interesting, isn't it, when things are not the best, we sometimes distance rather than pull in. We hesitate or we hold back. We kind of think that we have to sort ourselves out before we can come to him. 
That's one of the biggest lies. In Luke 19, what if Zacchaeus had sorted out his affairs, given away half his wealth first? Gosh, crikey, Jesus is in town. Let me go and sort out a few things in case he singles me out. Then where would the story go? But he came as he was. He says he ran ahead to get a good look at Jesus. He was crooked, he was dishonest, he was hated. But Jesus came to his home as he was in that state. And it was then that he repented and action followed and he repaid what he owed people and even more. So what stops us? Maybe it's been that kind of day. Maybe we've had a robust discussion in the house. Maybe we're stressed. And it's tempting to stay away. And then suddenly, we're protecting ourselves and keeping ourselves from being in the place with the person of Jesus that we actually need most. Why is it when you've had a disagreement, the last thing you want to do is pray or with that person? That's something I've noticed over 35 years now is Dave and I have got quicker at doing the opposite to the thing that you feel like doing, not giving the enemy a foothold. But there is a battle going on, keeping us from each other and from coming to Jesus, maybe. So when we're cut off, we're vulnerable. So if we are a body, it's like saying, well... This finger is going to go alone this week. Or maybe this ear is going to manage without the head for a while. I'll disconnect. And suddenly we're cutting off the access points of hearing God and connecting with each other. And then often there comes a drift. So in the Old Testament, you couldn't come as you were. Um, the law had so many rules and preparations and conditions and there was blood and sacrifices and animals and all kinds of things in order to earn forgiveness and be acceptable, kind of a bit like box ticking really. And even in the New Testament, there was still a thick curtain, uh, a barrier in the temple separating people from the presence of God. And only one person, the priest, could go behind the curtain. Now, apparently, uh, he had a piece of rope tied to him, uh, to his ankle, uh, in case he missed something out of the ritual and was consumed by the power behind the curtain. And so his presumably dead body could be hauled out by the rope because no one else was allowed to go in and fetch him out again. Um, which is why it's so significant that when Jesus died, in that moment, that curtain was torn. It was thick, but it was torn from the top to the bottom in a way that no person could do that. They wouldn't have physically been able. Because God wanted to give us free access to him, 
he'd done away with all of those rules and rituals and he wanted to us to be able to have his presence and Jesus made that possible. So why would we sometimes put barriers there again? Maybe when I'm feeling better or more confident, when I've sorted this out or when I'm not so busy. After all, in Romans 5, 8, it says Jesus died for us while we're still in a mess, while we were still lost and ungodly. And it's in those small moments when we choose to come, like the woman did, or like being an ordinary person in the crowd that day, coming anyway, despite everything, that I die to me, and he lives, he becomes alive, because after all, it's not me living, it's Christ who lives in me. I'm dead anyway, and I need to remember that. But what about when I'm not okay? So one, one Zoom last year sticks in my mind. It was with some good friends of ours who were going through a really tough time that year. But they were honest, not trying to pretend or cancel the Zoom call for another time. They just came. Um, they didn't wait for it all to be sorted and they didn't wait to protect themselves. We went ahead with the call and it was as it was. So when we show up as we are, kind of seems like that's when things change. I remember seeing Martin with his banjo in the worship in his house, not long, or I think he was still actually recovering from COVID. And he'd been bad. And he said in his words that he'd felt as rough as a bear's backside. I remember him saying that. <laughs> But for those that you of you that have um, suffered loss this year, but you came anyway, you showed up in your house, and God saw that. And for those of you that have danced or lifted your hands despite how hard that was, for those of you that have not slept or you've been anxious or in pain, but you still pressed in, and Jesus meets with us in these realities. So a few years ago, um, my mum was at home on her own uh, and she lives alone now. And um, she was having a difficult week. It was in July and it would have been my dad's birthday and she was remembering him. And it was also their wedding anniversary that week. And it was also the week many years before that my brother had died so it's a tough week for her but she was sharing that moment with God as she was washing up she was crying and then she felt the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit turn up in her kitchen and it, she'd never had that before and then she had an amazing account, encounter with Jesus at her kitchen sink where he spoke something to her that changed everything. She's never forgotten it. 
my little mum having a moment at her sink in Lincolnshire, just as she was. And Jesus came. So we're offered lots of invitations to come in the Bible. Here's a few. Matthew 11. You might know this one. Come all of you who are weary and burdened. In Isaiah 55. Come all of you who are thirsty. Come to the water. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Well, that doesn't make sense. But in our lack, he shows up. John 6. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me won't be thirsty. But we do have to come. Come as we are, but let's not stay as we are. I don't want to be the same this time next year. If I was, I wouldn't be growing. And where there's growth, if you think of things in our gardens, um, there's change. We expect to look different, behave differently, maybe make different choices or think differently. So Jamie asked me on Tuesday night if I was ready to speak today and I didn't want to. Um, but me staying the same would be me saying, oh, give me a few more weeks, knowing full well that I would have, you know, forgotten about it for the first few and then still had the same amount of time to prepare. But I decided to say yes, because that's not what I would normally do. So the invitation is ours to come as we are, but with an expectation of not staying as we are. So maybe today is the day for us to reach out and touch the edge of Jesus' gown, if that's all we can reach. Or allow him into our home to be with us, whatever is going on. Or to come into our thinking over something. So I think the invitation is there for us all today to choose connection with him and with each other as we come as we are. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk. Thank you.